Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. You know what? I used to really hate my body. I've talked about my experience with anorexia before, and I'm not going to retell it today. But one day, I noticed that even though I wasn't starving myself over fears that I was fat or would get fat, I still had plenty of subtle ways I was hiding from my bodily faults or things that I imagined were faults, things that I thought were unattractive and I thought others might think were unattractive. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. I used to wonder, why the heck do we install our bathroom mirrors directly across from the shower? <laughs> After showering, I would, I would look down at the floor or to the side anywhere, but directly in the mirror as I toweled myself off. I don't want to see it. I didn't want to see my posture or the soft areas around my belly for a long time. I tried to prevent Kim from even touching my belly area. Not because I thought she would find me unattractive. I know she loves me. And, you know, she tells me she thinks I'm hot. <laughs> but because I thought I was unattractive. I didn't like the softness around my belly area. Her touching me, even though she did it in a loving way, reminded me of that area of my body that I hated. I would get so angry at my body, even driving my truck over a bumpy road. I was paying so much attention, so much unloving attention to my body and thinking about all those areas that I didn't like that I was acutely aware of how certain parts along the sides of my torso and my waist and my belly would jiggle every time the truck hit a bump. Oh, it drove me crazy. I would forget everything else and just focus on every little jiggle. Jiggle, 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 jiggle. <laughs> I was so focused on how my waist felt against my clothing. Is it pushing out a little more than it did yesterday? It feels like it. Maybe my jeans shrunk. Maybe I'm gaining weight. <laughs> and my height. I'm not a tall person. I'm five foot six. But I used to imagine I was tiny. Shorter and smaller in mind than I was in physical stature. And to me, tiny meant weak. It meant less than. And what about my hairline? Why can I see more of my forehead now? That can't be right. I was supposed to be the man in the family who kept all his hair. <laughs> it got to where I wouldn't even look in the mirror brushing my teeth because brushing my teeth reminded me of which teeth were crooked, not perfectly straight. So by ignoring it, I avoided the stress. Or well, that's what I thought. But all of these subtle hates about my body started showing up in my body in other ways. Remember playing with 
Play-Doh or modeling clay as a kid. Oh, I used to love it. I still do. And not just the way the Play-Doh smelled, but that was fun too, wasn't it? I loved forming creatures that I had whirling around in my imagination. I would do my best at fashioning what I could see so clearly in my mind. And then I would take my little sculpture and show my mother, look, mom. And she would always do what moms do, tell me how beautiful it was. My dad too, he, he did it in his own way. I would bring him the sculpture and he would say, wow, and he'd smile. And then he would say, well, that's different. <laughs> I love him. If I was ready to make something else, I would just mash it all back into a ball and start over, creating something new. I could always change it. That's what was fun about Play-Doh. Back in third grade, my teacher brought out real modeling clay to the class. She told us that we were supposed to make mold something based on the Greek myths that we'd been studying. And she said it was important that we do our best because she was going to take our creations to the kiln so we could keep it forever and it would look pretty. Well, I didn't know. Third grade, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> but I went to work carefully forming my image of Kronos. I thought he was the, the biggest and the baddest, so I wanted to recreate him in clay. I worked on it for two whole class periods until I thought it was perfect. When we were all finished, my teacher promised to have them all back to us the following week. And I can still remember that morning when I came to class. She had all of our little creations, all of our little figures on shelves for everyone to see. And every, my classmates ran over and found theirs. And I started looking along the shelves, where's mine? Where's my Kronos? And I did a double take on a four inch little figure that no one had claimed yet. What's that? Well, that can't be mine. It looks so bad. <laughs> I picked it up and I saw my initials that I'd carved into the wet clay the week before. Yep, I can't deny it. It's mine. Oh, it was ugly. It hadn't been damaged. The teacher hadn't dropped it on the way to the fire. It was exactly as I'd formed it. But now I was seeing it from a new light and I wasn't happy with it, but I was stuck with it. <laughs> I wished I could have done something to change it, but I couldn't. My teacher had warned us that once it went into the kiln, what it was is what it will always be. <laughs> Mrs. Groves, she was a sweet lady. In this analogy, you were the Play-Doh, not the kiln-fired figurine. Nothing is set and permanent for you. I know it might seem a little elementary and obvious for me to use clay as an example. The Bible calls the Father our potter. And our potter means to determine, to fashion, imagination. And Neville talks about it often. So if you've listened or read Neville at all, you've heard and read him say this a lot. But I want to highlight the love the thrill I had when creating with Play-Doh. The thrill of creating and the joy of knowing I could change it whenever I wanted. The freedom to keep changing it.
no anger or frustration, just the fun of creation and recreation. I don't know why one day this whole Kronos thing came back up in my mind, but it got me thinking of what that story I just shared with you. And I was remembering back on those days and thinking about the love I had for Plato, playing with it and molding it and shaping and reshaping. Back when I was a child, playing with Plato, I was in the moment, totally wrapped up in the act of sculpting, the thrill of being able to make monsters or angels, whatever I wanted. I wasn't concerned with what others might think. It was just me and the brightly colored clay. And over several days, these memories kept floating back up. And I thought, well, that's me. My father, God, my imagination is the potter and my body is the clay. My body responds to the hands at work on it in imagination, shaping it into the image it has. I tell you all the time, I'm quoting Neville often, that my circumstances reflect my imaginings, but so does my body. And I've said that before, but I really got it that day. It really hit home with me. And when I realized that, it was like I was back on Center Street, my first home as a child, and my mom had just handed me a multi-pack of Play-Doh. Oh, the possibilities are endless. I can make anything I want. But something about love, sure, loving my new state, my new image of my body, what I want to be. I talk about that all the time. A brighter smile, a firmer feeling around my gut area, better posture. But what about being love and loving my creation as it is right now? What about appreciating my present handiwork? I've been forming and reforming it continually throughout my life. Why not take a few moments to explore it, to love it? Now, I admit it wasn't easy at first, really noticing my body. I started exploring it, touching myself all over, feeling the softer spots and the achy parts, digging my fingers into the muscles of my jaw and my neck, my legs. Ah, and there's a tender spot right there. Let's get in there and work it. I let my hands glide over my skull and found that indentation of the occipital bone where it meets my neck and lightly pressed my fingertips in there and felt the release of tension I didn't even know I had there. And doing that, I could feel tension in my face go away, in my jaw ease. I touched my little curvy areas of my ears, reached down and slid my fingers between my toes, gave each little piggy a massage, even the one that stayed home. <laughs> I looked at all the little tiny lines on the palm of my hand and with the forefinger of my other hand, I traced along those lines, noticing the difference of being aware of my palm being touched, feeling from my palm, and feeling from the tip of my finger touching my palm. 
I rolled my tongue in my mouth and ran the tip of my tongue along that neat little ridge on the hard palate, right down the center. I'm sure it has a name, but I don't care. (laughs) I'm just enjoying the sensation of touch as I explore this body. I got close to the mirror and examined my eyes. Ah, they're brown and beautiful, but not solid brown. There are lighter areas and little hazel flecks in there too. And the iris isn't solid. It's, it's cavernous on a microscopic level. <laughs> I noticed how my brows lay perfectly along my brow ridge. I got lost in the ridges of my wrinkles on either side of my eyes, scrunching up my face, making them deeper, and then opening my mouth to tighten up my skin and watching the play and the movement of my skin on my cheeks. All those beautiful lines and valleys and curves. This is magnificent. Look at this. I shaped this body. I imagined this body into being. It responds to what I am imagining. I made this body that I explored that day. It felt like a discovery, like I was discovering this body for the first time. I did this, and I fell in love with my creation even with the soft spots and the wrinkly parts and the bumpy parts and the corners on the back of my head. (laughs) I ended up lying on the bed, just letting love saturate all thought. I was expressing love for myself. It felt like for the very first time that I really, really loved myself, my body. I was being love, and I experienced love of self by self. In those moments, it it just didn't matter which parts of my body had too much hair where I don't want it and too little hair where I do or too much softness in some areas. I was madly in love with all of it. I felt nothing but love for this body. I was in the first principle. Be still and know that I am God, that my awareness of being is God. And what's God other than my awareness of being? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. And God is I am. Who I am is love. So in that moment of pure love, unconditional love for myself, I was being as God is, love. From that place, that the first principle or love, I can fashion something different, something altogether new, or I can make little alterations to my previous piece. I can do all things through Christ, through imagination. Sometimes I'm asked what moving into the state of a wish fulfilled feels like. Well, it feels like love to me. I am love. And from love, I can move into the state of my choosing. 
I completely fall in love with the state of my wish fulfilled, no matter what it is. Starting in love, I naturally love my new state. And the state responds to me. It's objectified. I fuse myself with it by falling so madly in love with the new state that it comes to life. I give it life with my consciousness of it. The light of love. When we're in the first principle, when we know and are expressing love, anything is possible. I do it often. I, I could be pushing a grocery cart at the market and slip into love in the produce section or driving a car anywhere. It's who I really am. It's who you are. I was talking with someone last week about this, and he said, but how do you know, do that? How do you know what love feels like? How does that feel? And I said, surely you can bring up a feeling of love. I talked about this in one of my early episodes. I told you how I just explored love one day. I stretched out on my bed and asked myself, what does love feel like? I mean, I say it all the time. I love Star Wars. I love Frank Sinatra and I love the Beatles. And I love Meatloaf, the singer, and Meatloaf, the food. Love, love, love. We say it all the time. But what does it really feel like to me? I can't tell you what it feels like to you. And no one could tell me. It's a first person, present tense experience. Love is who I am, and I am always now, not worried about next week or feeling awful about yesterday. I am now. So why not try what I tried? Be still and explore what love feels like to you. Allow yourself to explore even the bits that you usually avoid on your body and in your life. Saturate yourself with love. I love you so much. This is Feeling Twisty.